Working Interferences is intended for mature audiences. Since the hosts never grew up, someone needs to be the adult. Welcome to Working Interferences with Lance and Holly, the dental advice podcast for the average dentist. Here is Lance and Holly. Well, all right. Okay. <laughs> Welcome back. I'm almost embarrassed to come back. I know. I, I Actually, there have been times where I wanted to start recording. I'm like, should I? I kept thinking, maybe we should just start all over. <laughs> totally different podcast. Um, hello. <laughs> I hope you're both having a great day. Welcome back to our little <laughs> Whoever the hell party. is listening now, as we've destroyed our audience. So uh, I, I feel like I probably should explain the absence a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it's been... It's been a it's been a minute. It's been more than there's been a lot of shit that has happened. Okay, so this is the end of March, and we stopped middle of October. Yes, you. They knew that you had gotten in your accident. Right. That was the last of our podcasts, and that that seemed like a a high point of um, drama uh, for October, and it only got (laughs) worse. Um, So my um, bike accident was the 2nd of October, my surgery was the 11th and my dad passed on the 22nd of October. And, and I'll be honest, I, um, I just didn't care. I didn't, I didn't want to record. I just, the certain amount of lethargy. In fact, I got a haircut today for the first time <laughs> since. <laughs> so no, I had to trim up till then, but I, I was getting ridiculous Thank uh, God. hair. Uh, <laughs> So anybody that's been, okay. So if you've been married for a while, it it gets to a certain point where you kind of enjoy the reaction to your spouse as they hate what you're wearing, what you're your hair. I, I, I think that's only you because most people <laughs> like their spouse to be attracted I, to them. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> when I say, you know, the people comment on my hair and I'm like, yeah, Holly hates it. And they're usually like, oh, okay. I get it. <laughs> I think that's like one in a bajillion people. Okay. So me and my friends are assholes. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's factual. That's not even up for debate. So, and uh, you know, we, we were talking recently going, really, we should uh, put new content out on, on YouTube. And I'm like, oh, shit, bad haircuts are forever on the Internet. That's yeah. So I said, you know what? Let's just fuck it. I'm cutting my hair. Thank God. <laughs> and so we record. So I'm like, you know, we're going going. It's time to time to fire up the recorder as well. So, yeah, it, there's just been a lot. You had you really struggled when your dad passed, even though we all knew he was passing for 15 so that's the part years. that was interesting is, is he, he's been dying for a while. Um, but part of the problem was we so turned a corner in September. If anybody who is listening is actually a physician, which I don't know yeah, I doubt if it. you, but don't let's face it. No don't one's listening. Lie to your patients. Lance's dad called him probably like September 30th. Mm-hmm. And your dad says to you, so I have some bad news. And Lance was like, okay. And he's like, I'm dying. And Lance is like, I know. And his dad says, what do you mean? You know, he goes, dad, you've been dying for 15 years. We've just been able to maintain everything. 
And his dad was so confused. Well, he was angry. He was mad at me. Oh, he was furious at you. But he was also so confused because his doctors had never been blunt with him. Well, no, he just, they assumed he understood words. I had to Google the word and screenshot the word palliative because his doctors have been telling me it's palliative care only right now for, for a long time. He just never understood. And my brother says that, no, he's explained the word to him before, but for whatever reason, he, it, Finally, the light bulb clicked in September that because because he put off trips, he was going to well, put off his entire life of yes. retirement. But not just that. That was just his overall plan was I'm going to put off my life and then I'm going to retire. Right. But, but he, even since then, the he, 15 years since he's retired, he put everything off because he thought he was getting well. No, he, he thought he was going to eventually get like he had that cruise in, right. in Europe that he was going to go to. And he canceled last minute because it just wasn't well enough right now. But he was going to reschedule it later when he was better. Right. Your dad and, thought he was getting better and he was never getting better. And everybody but him knew that. Yeah, we kept saying it's, it's you, you're the best you're ever going to be is right now. And A year from now, it's not going to be as good. But it was really interesting that once that light bulb went off your dad was like fuck it then and he just literally went downhill at the most rapid speed i had ever seen well that 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 last two weeks was very rapid i mean Um, i'm super grateful that all the girls came home they yeah i was like you guys just need to come home i don't know what's happening but you need to come home yeah we so those that don't know I should actually Google what the first diagnosis, my dad really had three diseases. Um, and I can't remember the first one. Um, cause I had to Google the word. Um, it was a leukemia. It was a form of leukemia, a blood disease. Right. But it's, but it's super rare there was only at the time when Bill got it, there was only a few known people that had it. So my dad's first, the first disease that he was diagnosed with years ago was a lymphocytic leukemia that um, Jill, was it Jill? Jill Clayberg had. Uh, my dad uh, described when I first looked it up, it, it was indolent. And I had to Google what the fuck does indolent mean? Because um, my first thought was insolent, which is absolutely not similar indolent was is a basically just means that um it's going to be long term it just weakens you and most people don't die from it they die from something else because they're not strong enough to fight it so people will die from pneumonia that they normally would have been able or just the flu but they they normally could have fought but because they were weakened from this leukemia they died like uh jill clayberg had it for 22 years before she finally died she was the mom in bridesmaids um so dad had leukemia for a long time. And honestly, in hindsight, I think he also was diagnosed with multiple myeloma at the same time. Yeah, it just wasn't but as bad. But he never told any of us because he was focusing on the one. and But he was being treated for both, but they were going to focus on... So later, years later, we found out that he also had multiple myeloma and we... He was t- had to take different because he had different drugs he had to take that he then had to take other things to f- repair what the damage from the other drugs did. Uh, like the one medication made him build up a bunch of iron. So then he had to take some something to get rid of all the iron buildup in his blood. And, and it's just crazy, it crazy stuff. And 
but he'd been fighting it for years. Cause I remember God, 10 years ago, he thought it was going to be his last Christmas and was, had some, you know, deep conversations and things. And I'm sitting there thinking, I don't think this year's any different than last year. So, and, and I was right. Cause but part of it also is your dad only shared a fraction of information with everybody. So no one ever knew really right. what was going on because he was not forthcoming with anything. And then he wasn't forthcoming, but he also didn't understand truly what was going on. Right. Um, and, and there were times, even the hematologists, we got kind of upset with because they try to placate things and say things nice enough. So not to upset people or make them angry or sad or whatever. But then because they, they soften it, they use euphemisms. The patients have no idea how serious it is. And so then they don't communicate with us. If we're not in the room with them, because there were even times you, you had gone to a, a doctor's appointment with my mom just recently. And, and it's almost like my mom wanted to hear the way she wanted to hear it. Like what something was optional and you're like, no, that's not optional. It's, she didn't say that. Yeah. It was the fact that her heart doctor had said, if you can cut out the sugar, we can get you off some of these medications. And she goes, well, can't I just wait until after Christmas and then start getting off of the sugar? And he goes, no, Michelle, that's not how it works. But all she could remember is that she had made that statement and after that, she completely blacked out. <laughs> so she was like... Because of all the sugar? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so when we were at dinner, I'm like, well, why don't we share that? Because the doctor wants you to cut back on your sugar. Well, he doesn't want me to cut back on my sugar until after Christmas. No, that's not what he said. That's what you said. <laughs> There's a very big difference between doctor direction and your wishes. Yeah. I, I think at least with my folks, it seems as people get older, they're under, it's almost like a, a seven-year-old that kind of hears what they want to hear. They, they do what they want to. Well, that's everybody. It's, that's human nature. But I'm not when you're 40. It seems like when you're. I feel like I kept telling you I hated your hair and you kept going, <laughs> it looks great. No, it didn't look great. It looked like you were having a midlife crisis. <laughs> no, I never thought it looked Nobody great. Thought... I just knew it pissed you off. <laughs> So, and I didn't care what I looked like at the office because I'm wearing a headlamp and everything. Maybe that's so. just your family just doesn't know how to listen very well. They have a, they have a communication issue. Uh, well, maybe. God. So that's why I stopped in October. So, um, yeah. And then we had, it was kind of a rough holiday season. You know, it was, you know, the first Thanksgiving with that dad. And Shauna had taken your mom My sister, Shauna. to... California right after the funeral. So she wasn't even there for us to talk to or to <laughs> the, the funeral. Um, <laughs> actually the funeral was lovely. We had some very good friends. One is a, uh, so if, uh, if everybody listening, if plan for your funeral now, God, cause you're just going to have, everybody's going to be arguing with each other of what, what well, they wanted. Nobody was arguing. Well, nobody no, argued. just nobody knew. Nobody knew anything. So nobody wanted to make any decisions. Oh, and come to find out, uh, embalming a body, uh, that's optional. And some people feel strongly and I thought they just always did it. But it also makes a difference if you plan to have an open casket. Right. That's why. There, so there was a time urgency to it and nothing had happened yet. And, and I so was flipping out and I was kind of in charge of everything because everybody was 
Well, we needed to make a decision. Otherwise, dad was not going to have an open casket right. because he was going to deteriorate too much. Right. And your mom was like, he has to have, I'm like, okay. And I'm running so around. I made an executive order and just said, embalm him and, and make it happen now. So I was trying to find his body because his body didn't go where he was supposed to go. And then the company that took his body didn't have, they weren't open. And yeah, do your Yeah, so, this happened on a Thursday night because Clint and I were going to go see the Ocean Balloon concert. Yeah. And, and he called me and said, Dad died. House. You need to go to the house. And I was like, Whoa. Well, he said he's not breathing. I didn't say he died. And you could infer. Bianca and I go flying down the freeway and we get there and I met with the fire trucks and the ambulance and the police officers are there. Were you there before I got there? I was. Okay. And they were asking me 90 million questions and nothing had been organized. And Michelle was there and she was freaking out and she had her healthcare workers there. It just was a fucking mess. Let me tell you, how about you do your fucking family a favor and plan this shit out? I don't understand the concept of let's talk about it later. That's what your dad told your mom for nearly 60 years. We'll talk about it later. Well, not only that, when it got close, we, Clint was having conversations in September and dad kept, uh, we'll do that next year. Let's talk about it next week. And he kept saying, well, let's do that next week. I don't understand it. And We're finally, all going to die. None of us are late. getting out alive. Well, and, and when, when you're struggling to breathe, maybe now's a good time to have that conversation. I mean, my girls know exactly what I want when I die. Every single one of them, I have had an open conversation. I And I have told everybody, if you don't do what I want, I will come back and I will haunt your fucking ass, plain and simple. Do not make me crazy in the afterlife. You know, don't make it a weird thing. Make it a very matter. It's a matter of factual thing. They know what song I want played. They know I want a big party. I have had requests that I could plan my death. That would be great and make the food before I die. You know, all of that has had a conversation. But if you take it in a situation where, oh, my God, I might die tomorrow. So let's have this conversation. What? Have this conversation when you're completely healthy. And no one is thinking that you're going to die tomorrow and just have your wishes known. Yeah, it was, it was really frustrating. Then I heard that you could do uh, doves to be released. And (laughs) thank God, thank God our friends were our funeral directors because they know the dark side of Lance. So I, they said, look, you can go on YouTube and there's pictures of people or videos of people that release the doves and then they cross the freeway and then like a semi hits all the doves and that they die or a predator bird will come down and eat the dove and mid flight right after you release them. And so I'm like, oh, sweet. Let's do that. So I paid for these doves to be released hoping. And then when I made the the call or when Jamie made the call, the guy was like, oh, but it's, uh, it's hawk season. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, even better. <laughs> Maybe we'll release them and watch him eat. And, um, so I knew that I didn't want to debate or anything. So I just, it was a surprise for mom. And, uh, it actually ended up being really, really cool. It did, um, there were two, f- I laughed so hard <laughs> because they released these beautiful doves. And then they release Bill's dove and Bill's dove goes the opposite direction of all the other doves. Well, I, I guess that's a normal thing. They, they circle around, they're not in sync and eventually they kind of sync up and then they fly off together. 
I just laughed so hard. I'm like, of course that's Bill. And I just kept looking now that I knew it was the hawk season. I'm like, kept watching for a predator. Oh like, my God. sweet. This is going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. Oh. Then he looks at his mom and his mom's crying. Of She's course. Like, that's the most beautiful thing ever. And I'm like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> well, I knew I, I couldn't lose because if it, if he did get eaten, then I, I win. And oh if it just God. ends up being a beautiful moment, then I win. So it was, I just it was a beautiful was like, moment. What the fuck? <laughs> and I'm, I'm trying to hold everybody together. Yeah. That, that, yeah. that was my job is to be in charge of the stuff that nobody wanted to be in charge of. Yeah. And, and I'm still, I'm only a week after surgery. I'm trying to help hold the, the casket oh my with my left hand. Cause I can't do shit with my right. And and then it's actually fairly heavy. So I oh my god, it's the most. Ca- those of you that think a <laughs> casket weighs, you know, divided by eight people or whatever, and it's going to be fairly light. It's fucking heavy. Mm-hmm. I have been a pallbearer. I was a pallbearer at my stepdad's funeral, and I was like, this thing is motherfucking heavy, and I can bench a lot. So start pumping it up if you have to be a pallbearer for somebody. I am a big advocate of cremation. Mm-hmm. And vacation. Urns are a lot lighter. Oh, my God. <laughs> I just, yeah. yeah. And then here, how about this? Also decide if you're going to be fucking buried, figure out where you're going to get buried. Oh, yeah. So then we have the debate on the location because uh, where my folks live is adjacent to a very hoity-toity area. And it was more convenient to be there and pay. But it was, it's like. It was $20,000. More than if it was to be right. down in Tacoma. My, our friend Jamie, he was like, look, our place is, is cheaper. It's expensive in Bellevue because they know they can charge it. And they, they don't, they're unapologetic. Beautiful, all so of them are great. beautiful. They're... Yeah. Make those decisions in advance. Take, a, take the burden of the debate away from everybody else and, and plan it now. Yeah. Buy, buy your plot of land now. Because, you know, we had to come up to cash right away to... Well, and, that, and here's another fun fact. How about you not have everything in your name? How about you... Sh- yeah. Like, we found out nothing was in Lance's mom's name. So all the assets a- are frozen. Yeah. And we're like, fuck. So we couldn't... Uh, yeah. We had to come up with the money and... The death certificate would, uh, releases everything, but they were slow to get, produce the death certificate. Oh, God. Clint's still waiting for the death certificate, and it's uh, four months later. And luckily, oh. we had assets in other areas, but she wasn't on any of the credit cards. She wasn't on in, on any of the bank accounts. She wasn't on any of the investment shit. I mean, it was a fucking disaster. And this, I'm sorry, your dad's a fucking banker. <laughs> I don't know what, the, it yes, was just was. a fucking disaster. I just. He's a very private man. Do your family a fucking favor and have everything put into a trust that's the part that we're and yeah. have executors in that trust that if one of you can't make a decision, the other can make a decision mm-hmm. and make sure that you haven't written down what you want for your funeral. Do you want to be cremated? Do you want to be buried? What kind of casket do you want? How much money do you want allowed to spend? Oh, fun fact, Costco has a very good deals on caskets. Co- fun fact, Costco has the exact same caskets that a funeral home is selling you for three times the amount. Yep. Yeah. And so we, we got a Costco we casket. Got, we got that little in information from our friend who is a... He's a funeral director. Funeral director. He's like, don't buy it from the funeral home because it's the exact same thing at Costco. It's not similar. It's, it's the, the exact, exact same thing. thing. They buy them from Costco. <laughs> so, 
you can buy a big tub of mayonnaise and a casket uh, <laughs> on aisle three. And this is your funeral. You're welcome. <laughs> it just was, it was a whole thing. So then we went into the holidays and yeah. it was a weird holiday because we usually have a big, huge Thanksgiving and Lance's parents are always a part of it. And we wanted to, st- I still wanted to have a Thanksgiving just because that's what we do. So big begrudging to Lance, I was like, we're just going to have it here at our little tiny place that we now have. And he was like, it's going to be terrible. It was cramped. And it was amazing. It was great. It but was it actually was one of the most fun Thanksgivings I think we've ever I'm had. I'm not saying I didn't enjoy myself. And there was no table. Who cares? Why well, you got to be that way? Well, g- g- why? I need a plate to did, put my plate on the table so I can cut my meat. Just put it on your belly. I did. <laughs> I just, <laughs> what was awesome about it was there wasn't, if you ever played musical chairs, there's always one less chair than there are people. And, and this so, time we had 16 more people than we had chairs. And so, so people that are sitting have a great time. But if you stood up to go grab more food or the bathroom or whatever, someone's going to take your spot. Well, part of it is. It's kind of like the Academy Awards where have, someone's going to sit in your chair. If you, if you get up to go pee, someone's sitting. Our living area is about 600 square feet now. Mm-hmm. And we have three. Uh, and most of that's wine. We have three chair and a half. <laughs> and that's all we have. But we had. 18 people here for Thanksgiving. And so we had people sitting on the floor. We had people, but everybody was in the same room, which I actually liked better than when we had the 4,300 square foot house and everybody just kind of went off into little clicks. Yeah. That we would sit down in that one. We would have extra tables. We would make it on the internet. You'll on the social media, see our L shaped concoction. Yeah. So for the dinner itself, we're all sitting at a table together, but you're only going to talk to the people that are right next to you. Yeah. But the before and after that, people will go to separate parts of the, of the house and have their three or four person conversation and things. And most people just kind of stay. And with this, you couldn't, there was nowhere for anybody to you, go, but right you here, you couldn't hide. And so like Lance was saying is, you know, you're sitting here eating and you're like, oh, I want some more potatoes. So you get up and you get some more potatoes. But somebody on the floor has now jumped up and sat in your spot. So now they're talking to the person next to And it was kind of like a weird round robin. It was musical chairs, but they, they never pulled a chair and eliminated <laughs> anybody. You just kept rotating. Yeah. And it was just like that for probably, I don't know, 12 hours. Oh God, I it mean, went forever. It went forever. Lance, Irish goodbye. Well, Irish goodbye. He, gave me, he gave me a look and I go, you're going, aren't you? And he goes, yeah, just tell me when. I'm like, okay, get ready. Now. You know, we had a couple of people fall down the stairs because they drank too much. It was fine. Everybody's fine. Everybody survived. Mm-hmm. Um, but so we had Thanksgiving. It was a little bit weird. I want to say there was a little bit of extra drinking just because it was just such a weird night mm-hmm. um missing people and then luckily all of our girls came home and my niece was there and it just was a nice da- time and then we had the holidays and again grandma came home and we had to move her into a new facility because she could no longer stay in her house so that's been a weird thing getting her all situated in a new facility and decorating her new place for Christmas and making sure she didn't feel like alone. I mean, she's going to feel alone. She's missing her husband, but trying to placate that as much as possible. And again, all the girls came home and then we're into January. I don't remember what we did this year. Did we go anywhere for the week after? Yeah. Oh, we did. Orcas Island. We did. We went to Orcas Island and Deer Harbor. Yeah. That was a nice getaway. 
Yeah, it was. If you've uh, never been there, that is an amazing place to go visit for a couple of days to unplug because. Fun fact, you really can't. You don't have much There's, of your signal. You don't have anything. And it's, yeah, you're unplugged. You're, Whether you want to or not, you're unplugged. It's your only option. But, you know, there's seems like there's only like 500 people on this entire island. Which, yeah, there, there's more than that, but, but it doesn't it seem like, like it. it. Yeah. Um, but it's just, it's a little... Those, so those that don't know, the San Juan Islands are just north of Seattle, almost to Canada. Um, there's three main islands, Lopez, San Juan, and Orcas bunch of other little islands in between that you can travel to but the there's a ferry that used to go from Anacortes into Sydney on uh, Vancouver Island in Canada once the COVID thing happened you can't go into Canada this way so it just dead ends and turns around at Friday Harbor um, but it's a nice take a couple hours to get to wherever you're going to go but you can island hop very very easily and Friday Harbor is the closest to a big town. I wouldn't say big city or city at all, but it's a town. Yeah, it's a solid town. It's a solid town. Great restaurants, uh, nice little shopping. We were on Orcas Island, which was a lot more rural of an island. Still had uh, a, a little town where you could have, I mean, they've got a nice resort there um, on, on Orcas Island. It's just a, just out of the way. So we got a chance to, um, we used some timeshare points and, and spent, what four days there yeah and it was, it was just, perfect yeah it was nice and quiet and it just really just it was a it was a good end of the year it was a good way for us to just be done mm-hmm. and again again i had brought my record didn't i bring my recording gear thinking we're, we're gonna get the podcast going again you brought your recording equipment out a few different times and it just didn't feel right we just kind of were like no i just still it. didn't feel like it um it's it's been a, it's been a hard last six months it's been six months almost since mm-hmm. we last podcasted and mm-hmm. um i actually did record uh with actually, some friends yes, we started back up i um brought my gear uh by request down to mexico i did a mastermind group and um st- my friend's Phil and Bobby are starting a podcast and they're, they're the other spectrum of the success of dentistry. They, and they're sharing their information on how to be the top percent. I don't know what percent they would, would be, but they, it's emulate. If you want to emulate success, you want to talk to Bobby and Phil. Well, if you want to emulate success, you surround yourself with success. Right. And so I am an imposter and I snuck into this group <laughs> you did and, and I'm hanging out with them and you I'm were one blaming. of the original members. Don't, don't <laughs> placate and down no, talk it, yourself. Cause that shit pisses me off. No, no, I, I on purpose, like they've got a big, a big entity. Both well, of them have big things. And I, I am purposely, I was, I helped out this weekend. My friend of mine has a DSO and they were shorthanded. And so I'm sitting there talking to this other dentist and trying to describe, he asked me about my practice. And I said, well, look, I have a, one hygienist, one assistant, two up front. And he's like, how? What? What's that like? And it was so foreign to him because he's only been in big groups. And I said, you know what? I've, I've had it bigger. Uh, I've had it where I think the, we had seven or eight employees at one point, And I hated that. Uh, the more employees to manage, the more personalities, the more it just it sucks. And right now, especially in this climate where it's hard to find employees. Yeah. I'm so grateful that I'm a, a yeah, boutique because we, we actually thought about expanding um, probably the year before COVID hit. Mm-hmm. And I'm really glad we didn't. Yeah. But so, 
yeah, it, it's a great podcast. Take so a, take a Bobby listen to the interv- interview. Bobby and Phil are, are started their own podcast. Theirs is going to be, I think, primarily YouTube, and they'll they'll rip the audio. So there will be the audio podcast aspect, but there's a lot more video. They're a lot prettier than I am. So it's it, even with the new haircut, I I'm still not as pretty as them. But they're also putting on a gig, and they're going to talk about it in the in the podcast where they're going to be at the Fontainebleau down in Miami Beach in May. And that's a, a chance to have a, uh, to get to know them, to, to really hear. It's a great lineup of what they're going to present to uh, their, their show is called The Lucrative Dentist. And it's um, primarily talking about success, how to to do well and and the whole what goes into all of that. And so, um, yeah, I'd say give them a listen and uh, and let us know what you think. Enjoy. Okay, welcome back, listeners. Uh, this is Lance Timmerman, uh, back at you after a hot minute. It's been a little while since I've, I've recorded, ever since October was a bad month, but uh, back back to it. And uh, so today, rather than my normal co-host, uh, my wife Holly is usually with me, I have some, two of my best friends that are doing their own gig, and so I thought it would be fun just to, to chat Real brief and, and catch up, find out what, what's, what you're doing and uh, where you're going. So I have uh, Bobby Stanley from Cary, North Carolina, and Phil Shaheen from Columbus proper. Columbus, Ohio. Okay. All right. Yeah. How you doing, Lance? Doing pretty good. Good I morning. Mean, yeah, thanks for having we, us. We are uh, on location. Um, I, I don't know you. that I, I have the budget to do on location like this all the time because <laughs> we are in Puerto. Is it Puerto Vallarta? Is Puerto that Vallarta. Yes, it this is. This is my first time. Have you been here before? I've never been I've on been that here, side. I've been here once before, but it's great. And it's great to be here with colleagues and learning. We're with a mastermind group and we've been together for what, 15 years? Yeah, this is, it's been, yeah, I, we did the math and it didn't feel like 15, but apparently we're yeah. up to 15. And the two of you are like the OGs. I've only been yeah. invited to that group like five years ago, <laughs> and I feel so humbled. Yeah, but our group, our group moved to another level when you came on with yeah. so we're so happy to have you. It's, it's been fun to see the, the, the flavor change, uh, and, and you've been a great addition. Thank you. So if anybody's thinking about having a mastermind group, I think pursue it. It's, it's great. It's always, you learn so much from each other. It's yeah, amazing when you put a bunch of dentists together. Everybody has their own perspective, mm-hmm. and everybody concentrate on a different thing. Some people are very about the, the clinical aspect of it. Some others will be all about the business aspect of mm-hmm. it. And some, some, some of them are going to be about the personal aspect of it. But we always learn and grow. Absolutely. And not to mention the support that we get outside of our office. So it's really great to just come together and have a shoulder to lean on when we need it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, this is, uh, it's been fantastic. So um, now you guys are, are starting your own podcast. So how did that come about? I mean, because we don't have enough dental podcasts. No, there's not enough. And so <laughs> you're filling a void. It's, it's so true. Um, well, you know what? We, we actually wanted to share some business ideas with other dentists, and we were asked to do that. And it kind of morphed into a course. And then from there, we thought, why not bring it to the air and share on a regular basis? And so Phil and I came together and decided we're also going to do a podcast in addition to our courses. Okay. I, I think it actually stems from our mastermind group. It's incredible when when we speak with all our friends and colleagues and we bring up some concept that to us seem very, very normal and very, Mm -hmm. you know, common sense. And they're all 
blown away. It's like, oh my God, I never thought about this. And, mm-hmm. and you're thinking, this is a group of extremely successful and bright and smart people. How come you've never heard of this? Well, because right. nobody talks about it. Right. There's not enough people in our profession that are dentists that are talking about that part. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, think, I feel like as dentists, we're very, very focused on clinical. And I'm not saying that clinical is not important, mm-hmm. but unfortunately, we're small business owners. Right. Every time I go around and I talk, what do you do? I'm a dentist. Well, sometimes we need to change that focus and start thinking in a different manner and saying, you know what? In the end, we are small business owners and we just happen to offer dentistry as a service. Mm-hmm. And that's a completely different mindset than being a dentist. Right. Right. And you know, is your show going to be, uh, how frequent is it? Monthly, weekly? How would it? Um, we're we're going to do twice a month. Mm-hmm. And what we want to do is we want to bring information to other dentists and business owners because it's business focused that we feel like they can take back to their business and really help them be successful. And we want to be careful because obviously our number one goal is to take care of our patients. But one of the things that Phil and I have learned over the years in having our own business is that we can't take care of our patients and or our team members without being successful. Mm -hmm. We have to be successful to be able to offer great services and to be able to take care of our team members. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, and, and that's another great point. You know, if you, if you think about it, all of us have gone into dentistry because we want to help people. Mm-hmm. We, we have this attitude of But serving. you did. I, I <laughs> <laughs> At least that's what we say okay. for everybody to hear. Well, that's, I mean, that's how I got long, into school. Yeah. yeah. So in order to serve people, you have to remove the anxiety of, of knowing that you're going to make it. I mean, I'll tell you, sure. I'm a better dentist now than I used to be because I'm not worried anymore. Mm, okay. I'm truly doing it because I love doing it. Mm-hmm. Not because I have to do it to survive. And what kind of uh, practice do you have for those that uh, don't know you? So I have a larger multi-doctor, multi-location, multidisciplinary practice in Columbus, Ohio. So we have two locations, uh, 25 um, chairs, Mm -hmm. five dentists. And we try to do a little bit of everything. Uh, We are, um, you know, fee-for-service maybe 10, 15% and all the rest is PPO. So we're very okay. much about taking insurance to try to help maximizing it and the, the maximum number of people. And the way I, I personally look at it is I don't want to just serve the people that can afford me, but mm-hmm. everybody else, but at least I know that I'm offering the highest quality of dentistry at okay. the best value. Sure. Um, a lot of people, a lot of dentists get very stuck in that. Oh, well the insurance won't let me do this. That's not mm-hmm. true. Right. It's all about how you frame it. It's all about the environment you put it in. If you are concerned with the insurance, mm-hmm. your patient will. Mm-hmm. If you're not concerned with the insurance, your, your patient will understand that it has nothing to do. It's a, just a coupon. It's right. just a, a, a method to get you through the door. Mm-hmm. So one of the, the things I, I, I educate all my, um, my doctors and uh, associates in my office is like, look, I have no idea what insurance the patient has, and I make a point of not looking at it, mm-hmm. I don't even know if they have it. Sure. Because my treatment is not determined by what insurance they have, mm-hmm. but their, the condition of their mouth. So I look in there, and I offer a comprehensive treatment plan, explain to them what's going to happen if they don't take care of this, what are the health implications, what's you know, the, the worst-case scenario, mm-hmm. and we make a plan. And you know what? In the end, if you involve your patient in the conversations, like, mm-hmm. hey, Lance, what do you want for your teeth mm-hmm. in the best of world? I want this, 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 and that. And then we make a plan towards that goal. 
we haven't even talked about insurance or cost. Right. Then we bring this on. Mm-hmm. And you know what? People understand that if this is what's needed, it's like a renovation project. Mm-hmm. You have a house. You just bought it. You need to redo the roof, the kitchen, you know, the bathroom, the basement. You bought a lemon. Yeah. Do you <laughs> trust me? Do you, do you do all these projects at one time? You can't. No. You no. cannot do everything at one time. You're going to have to go one step at a time. Mm-hmm. Sometimes for our patients, it's called quadrant dentistry, mm-hmm. right? And they understand that. So as long as you you frame it properly, bring it back to um, you know cars and 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 house and homes. Mm-hmm. I think those are the two items that people can relate to because everybody has either had a house or mm-hmm. owned a house or knows of someone that owns a house. Mm-hmm. And same thing for a car. Right. Everybody knows that tires wear and tear. They the should. Day you buy <laughs> tires, you know you're going to need new tires. Mm-hmm. Which sucks. I yeah, hate it, buying new it tires. Does. It oh does. Oh my god. Now, Phil, did you start from scratch, or did you take over a practice and create this? Um, did you have I, this vision when you started? No, of course not. Um, this is my 22nd year in dentistry. I graduated in 2001. Okay. But to this year, we're going to celebrate the 20th year of our practice. But I was. You just graduated two thousand one. Were you like twelve when you right. graduated? Actually, I was twenty two. I was probably <laughs> oh, one. I was, I'm not kidding. This is not a joke. This oh my is. Gosh. I, I graduated <laughs> at age twenty two. I was probably one of the youngest dentists that I have ever met. Wow, and people and, actually trusted you. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't. So my story is kind of strange. I um, grew up in Canada, Montreal, and went to the University of Montreal and. But prior to that, my dad had a job um, that took him around the world to, by the same token, took us around the world. Yeah, right. So we've lived in different places, um, you know, one of them being Saudi Arabia, you know, Europe and things like that. Was he into oil? Uh, He was not. He was in the jewelry business. Oh, oh, wow. He eventually became... So I have a friend in the jewelry business, uh, Tom Shane, if you don't know. Do not know him. No? No. Okay. But maybe it's just a... (laughs) So the... Tom Shane has a radio ad in, in Seattle, and he says, now you've got a friend in the diamond business. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was national, so I saw it f- fall flat going, oh, you don't know Tom. Okay. You don't know Tom. <laughs> don't know Tom. Do not know Tom. But it was, it was super interesting because uh, it's, we're talking about high-level jewelry. Mm-hmm. His customers were like the Sultan of Brunei. Or wow. like the oh. the royal family of the Saudi, uh, you know, wow, okay, royals, mm-hmm. um, you know, the the people in Qatar and Abu Dhabi and all. I mean, yeah. we're talking. Yeah, that's how they they reward their wives, and I'm apologizing for saying that, but that's I mean, they buy a lot of jewelry. Oh, to I would. Pay to their I'm not wives. offended. And we're talking million that. dollar pieces and wow. things like that. And so he he was kind of the CEO of of, of that company for wow. for many years, and we just had to follow and live there. So yeah. between all the moves, I I lost a few years of schooling in the sense that okay, well when I came back to Canada uh-huh. and they put me at my proper age group, yeah, I was bored because okay. I knew mm-hmm. too much in most subjects. Okay, so teachers would come to my parents like, hey. I mean, he, he's not learning anything. We should move him up a class, okay. a, a grade. Exactly okay. why we partnered. Yeah, I, exactly. I did not have that um, experience. I, <laughs> probably a little I, bit more. I'm the not saying thing. it was a good thing. <laughs> all I know is by the time it was all said and done uh-huh. and I graduated dental school, I'm like 22. Yeah, wow. Oh I gosh. am not ready to do dentistry. So right. I looked for an opportunity to advance my education 
And I've, I've always known I wanted to do a, some kind of a GPR, AEGD, something like that. And mm-hmm. I knew I wanted to come to the States. Because you know what? Everything is bigger and better in the United States. Oh, okay. I I've mean, heard. We, Especially we, Texas. We never realize how the United States is like the, this shining object when you're from somewhere else. Mm. And I kept on being in Montreal and looking up even though you guys were south, but right. looking <laughs> up to, Montreal, to, to the United States, like, man, I want to be there. Got to be there. Everybody there has an ambition. Everybody there has, you know, an idea to make things better right. or well, whatever. So, well, with ambition, then that's why you're a partner with Bobby. So, Bobby, you're, you're in Cary, North Carolina. I'm in Cary, North Carolina, yeah. And what my, kind of practice do you have? Uh, so, my practice is similar to Phil's in that we're comprehensive and we have multiple doctors. Didn't start that way. It started with just myself and then my husband, joined me quite a few years later. And was yours a scratch or did you take over a practice? Mine or? was a scratch also. Okay. Uh-huh. Opened the doors, hoped somebody walked in, hoped I so could that, take on an income one day. I mean, mad props to you. I mean, not to sound misogynistic or anything, but a woman doing that in this world, scratch, that takes... Well, let's put it in perspective. It was 1993. Okay. I had just had a child and was pregnant with another child and walked into the bank to try to get a loan for a fee-for-service office at that. Uh-huh. Um, and it, it, was, it was a little struggle, but sure. it was great. We, we made it work, and it, it's been fantastic. It's been a great journey. And, and your husband, is uh, prior to being a dentist, was an engineer. So, so still is an engineer because I, I don't think you he's can. a rocket scientist. <laughs> yeah. Yes. On Instagram, he's the smile engineer. Uh-huh. So yes, he uh, went into, went into, he got a PhD in engineering and then w- worked in industry and decided he wanted to be like his wife and went back to dental school. <laughs> Everybody wants to be like Bobby. Yes, let's, let's be right. honest. Uh, well, especially my husband and then join me in the practice. Best decision we ever made. That's so, amazing. Such a great decision. We work really well together. Uh, we've been in practice for almost 30 years and it's just been wonderful. Wow. Yeah. And kudos to him to go back to school. Yeah. To dental school. Oh, That's wait, not wait. easy. How about kudos to the wife who was home with four children while her husband quit his lucrative job and went back to dental school. Well, but yeah. Because he saw the potential, of, saw the potential of how you were, you know, being lucrative yourself. He said, like, hey, I don't need to work. He's dwarfing me here. Well, and I guess way to bury the lead. What's the name of your podcast? Uh, it's going to be the, the Lucrative Dentist. Okay. And it's going to be a very. Um, Different name in the sense like every, everybody said, well, we, we can't talk about money when you're a dentist. You've got to talk about patient care and you have mm-hmm. to talk about, you know, technic, uh, technical stuff. And yes, but at some point, if you cannot be profitable, you're going to be miserable. Well, yeah. And you won't be here long. And you won't be able to make it and you're not going to be able to offer the, 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 the life that you want for your team. Mm-hmm. For, and, you know, you're going to be stressed out. So you're going to, you know, patients can sense if you're desperate. If you need to sell a case or you need them to accept your treatment plan because you need it, mm-hmm. you need the money that comes with it, they sense it and they, they will balk on, on doing something. Mm-hmm. And we're not just saying the dentist should be lucrative. We're saying the team members, we talk about how to incentivize the team member mm-hmm. and get them involved in, in the practice and also our patients being lucrative. I mean, we want to share the love and have everybody benefit from a successful dental practice. And you also have a course. Is this kind of an offshoot of your team building or? It is. So and your courses are geared for the dentist or the entire team? So I started a course called the Dental Entrepreneur Summit. Okay. And it's a two-day course where the dentist comes first day with the 
team lead from the office, their okay. number one person, and they spend the day talking about team culture and, and marketing and things that are beneficial for the practice. Day two is for the dentist and a spouse or significant other, and we talk about money, tax incentives, incentivizing the team. What, what we decided to do when, when Phil joined us was we're going to roll all that into the lucrative dentist. Okay. So Phil brings so much more for, to the table because of his knowledge. He's a brilliant guy, absolutely brilliant. Oh. So he talks about profit and how to look at profit and not just profit, but profit margins. Mm-hmm. And then um, also because I'm fee for service, he brings the PPO side in so mm-hmm. that we can look at practices from both sides okay. and everybody can benefit. So the Dental Entrepreneur Summit will now become the lucrative dentist. I gotcha. And it's gotcha. being offered twice a year. We're going to be in the Fountain Blue Miami in May. All if right. you've never been to the Fountain Blue, it's a great place to go. And <laughs> it's a tax write-off. It's, it's a people-watching mecca. It's, it's, it's a bunch of crazy. Amazing. <laughs> it's yeah. I, I was at a different symposium in September at the Fountain Blue, and it was it was nuts. Yeah, so Fountain Blue, tax write-off, <laughs> mm-hmm. and then if you can't make that, we'll be in North Carolina in October. Yeah. Yeah, I was actually registered to take your course in October, and uh, life events prevented that, and uh, so uh, I now have, I'm assuming I still have credit, and I can come uh, later. Yes, come to the Fountain Blue, enjoy it. I think it. you should come to Miami, Yeah, especially living in Seattle. It's always gray there. Right? Yeah, the, you know... That, don't bring that up. It's, <laughs> it's a, it's, <laughs> I keep trying to leave, and uh, it keeps bringing me back. Uh, but but yeah, the weather is a is a big reason why. So I, I do a lot of CE, not because I want to learn anything. I just want to get away from Seattle. <laughs> so. Not a bad thing to do. <laughs> look at look at today. Look I at mean, that view. This does not suck. <laughs> right. For those who who want to know, we're we're just sitting right now, and the windows are open, and all we see is ocean. Ocean and, and so beaches, and just this. We're on a hill, so we got a nice view of this this area is great. And let's talk again about how this is a tax write-off for us. Right. So it's a business expense. We're learning. We're with a group of colleagues, but Mm -hmm. we're in a beautiful place enjoying a quote-unquote vacation. Well, what's funny, I talk to other dentists who they just wait for their annual state meeting and do their CE reluctantly, sign their name, get their credit, and walk out. I'm like, if you're going to do CE, enjoy it. Absolutely. That's one of the last you know, benefits that the government gives you is they allow you to write off um, all the costs associated with you getting continuing education. Mm -hmm. And there's almost no limits. And I'm not saying you have to exaggerate, uh, but if you're going to take continuing education that is required for your job, Mm -hmm. might as well do it in an environment that you enjoy. Exactly. Sure. I do want to specify something because all my friends always think that when I say the word write off, it means free. Yeah. That is not true. That is a great point because friends, staff, they're like, oh, you do this and just write it off. Like, What do you think that means? Right. Well, it's one of the reasons to come to the course because we teach you what that means and then how to do that successfully and and legally because Mm -hmm. there's there's some legal things you can't just go to the grocery store and buy your groceries for tonight's dinner at home and write it off as a tax write-off so Mm -hmm. you have to be really careful that you're doing things the right way okay and before you can write off anything you have to make sure you have the money to be even even able to pay for it right out of the business Mm-hmm. A lot of people will buy things on the business thinking it's a write-off, but they forget the part where it actually costs money. Right. Somebody's going to come up with the yeah. total. Someone's paying it for somewhere. Exactly. So yeah. it's not free. It's just you get a small benefit, which is you're not paying taxes on right. that amount. And, you know, we, that's just part of what we're trying to explain. We're trying to bring retail concepts to dentistry. We're trying to bring business concepts to dentistry that are 
for most most people, common sense. Right. Um, now, if you were an associate in a DSO, would this still be uh, a course to come listen to? Or absolutely. There- uh, they're going to learn a lot more than just tax write-offs, but there are ways that you can do that as an associate. Mm-hmm. But I tell associates, you really need to approach your position as if you're the owner because you can make your life so much more lucrative mm-hmm. with that with that approach. Absolutely. And what is good for the practice is good for you if you're an associate. If you are not wanting what's best for the practice, mm-hmm. you're basically quite quitting. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, I mean, Sure. Uh, people that do the bare minimum to get by mm-hmm. will never be successful. Right. You have to have this mentality of like, hey, I'm gonna, uh, you know, do as as well as I can do for for you know this position that I'm in, because whatever I do for the practice that's good for the practice will eventually be good for me. Mm-hmm. And then whatever you learn, so an associateship, there's different kinds of them. There are very long-term associateships and mm-hmm. there's some that are just, hey, this is what I need now so I can learn. Mm-hmm. And usually what you learn is you learn what you don't want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For sure. It took me 15 years before I learned what I want. But I definitely can tell you my second job was in a Medicaid practice. Uh-huh. I can guarantee you within two months I learned that I don't want to do this. Oh, sure. Because it's tiring. It's, it's inefficient. It's... Um, just not poorly run. I mean, it was just yeah. a completely different animal uh, than being in, in private practice that, that had right. a person that had a choice. Well, my brother, his first job out of dental school was in a Medicaid practice in um, Des Moines, Iowa. And um, when he would tell me stories of his work environment, I thought he was just embellishing. And th- no, no. I, the more I've learned, it's like, wow. So um, not, yeah. like, not like a cup of tea. Yeah, but let's be clear, because we are lucrative dentists, now we don't have to work for Medicaid, but we can offer free services to people in need. Right. So it's not that we're not serving those people, it's just we're choosing to serve them in a different way. Mm-hmm. And the only way we can do that is if we're lucrative. Yeah. So, you know, we have to be successful to be able to offer services because, let's face it, dentistry is not free, not even for you and me, and we're dentists. Right. Somebody has to pay for the supplies, the lab costs, the team members. Mm-hmm. So we want to be able to have that extra those extra funds so that we can take care of our patients and the ones who actually are in need. Absolutely. So, and when, you, when your show, um, are you going to be uh, having guests or are you gonna, uh, what's the format? Uh, uh, absolutely. We're, we're going to try to do uh, one show a month where we're chatting together, Bobby and I, and then once a month get uh, a, a guest, a very known, known guest mm-hmm. in, in the community of dentistry or, um, you know, around dentistry and, and discuss things that, you know, make sense, mm-hmm. especially in, in the business world. It's, it, it's interesting for me coming from obviously growing up in another country. Uh, I'm, I'm not understanding why in the United States, everybody is always so proud of somebody that makes it and is successful and everything, except in dentistry. Every time somebody makes it in dentistry, they all look, all, all the naysayers look at them. It's like, oh, you must have done something wrong. Or you oh, must yes. have Something shady. shady. Stealing from your patients. So yeah. why, why? Who'd you step on on the way up? Lance, what, why, do, why do you think money has such a bad connotation in our profession, but in every other industry, yeah. a company that you know, makes a profit or posts you know, a great quarter and mm-hmm. is up, I mean, it's, it's well-received except right. for us. Yeah, I... It, it baffles me because it, it's it's pervasive uh, from the patient perspective and even colleagues. It's not just 
the patients complaining. They, I don't know why. I don't know why people seem to think that that uh, the government should pay for it and they should have the dentistry at no charge or whatever the case is. But it does seem pretty pretty common. Yeah, I agree. I, I just think it's wrong. Um, if you're successful, then it's the best way you're going to be able to help everybody, community, team members, patients, everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the interesting part is you can be extremely ethical and be successful. For some reason, if you're successful, they equate this to a Ponzi scheme somewhere. Mm. Like there has yeah. to be something wrong. He must right. be cheating. Yeah. He must be using terrible. Uh, I mean, I've been accused of so many things that I buy cheap materials and oh. uh, I do uh, improper dentistry because it's impossible to be a PPO practice owner and, and do well. You know, I tell mm. young people when I'm speaking to them about going into dentistry or young dental students, I'll tell them, just do the right thing. The money will come. Mm-hmm. Just do the right thing. And that's it. It's like what Phil said earlier. You look in their mouth, you treatment plan, you listen to them. Mm-hmm. You listen to a patient. It's really important. And, and do the right thing, and the money will come. Right. The money is a byproduct of you doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. If your primary goal is to make money, you will fail. All right. Mm-hmm. I and agree. you will fail miserably because, again, patients are not stupid. Mm-hmm. Patients are smart, and they can sense that. Mm-hmm. If that's all you're about, they can sense it, and they will you know, choose to take their, their yeah. business elsewhere. I found quite often the more you try to give it away, the more it seems to come back. You're, you're generous with your treatment. I, I, I tend to be generous with my treatment planning where I end up doing things that I, I could charge for and just don't. I just kind of bundle it. Sure. And uh, the more I do that, the more value that they, as long as they understand the value they're getting, like it tends to reciprocate and they'll tell other people, get referrals, that kind of Absolutely. thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. You, you, you help one person, they'll tell 10, mm-hmm. you know, and if you do the wrong thing on one person, they'll tell a hundred. A hundred. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so, exactly. <laughs> you, you, ha- you have to, to always treat everyone the same. And you know, there, we, we've all experienced this, that a person that looks like nothing, that's mm-hmm. dressed in mm-hmm. like nothing could be necessary, you know, unknowingly the, yeah. m- the most rich person that you've ever met and will do whatever right. well, they I've, need to do. I always tell the staff, never diagnose the pocketbook because yeah. in Seattle, we have a lot of fresh millionaires. And so you don't know who just struck it, sure. sold their software patent and is just rich. And Absolutely. coming in with a hoodie and yeah. ripped jeans. Right? No, I had a guy where I honestly thought he was homeless and just, how did you get in here? Uh, who let you in? And so I, I just treat everybody the same, although right. I was looking at him kind of funny and, <laughs> and tried to ignore the, um, the package. And um, then when I presented the treatment, I always, Bob McCarry always said at LVI that uh, give them a chance to say yes to the best. Yes. So I said, here you go. This is the best. And they said, okay. What do you mean? Oh, okay. Well, let's go with the financial. We'll do the financials now. And then they just wrote a check. One guy actually just went to the bank. He said, how much? And he came back and it was, it, those were always fun. You got these wads of cash with oh the my little gosh, right? things, the bundle, the wrappers around the, the money. You're like, oh my gosh, are you in drugs? I mean, is this a, a drug deal? Yeah. Do, I, I don't care. I don't want to know. <laughs> That's the thing is someone, uh, I did have one patient where I think drugs was the way. And my, my assistant was like, oh, we can't, I'm like, I don't care where they came up with the money. Right. I That's never not asked. my job. Uh, yeah. And it, if you know. want to help people, you have to help every people. Yeah. Everybody. Yeah. You Our, can't just pick and choose. Oh, well, your profession, I don't like. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. you, you do this for a living. I, I'm sorry. I can't, I can't help your teeth. Yeah. Weed's been legal in Seattle for a long time now. And sometimes the money smells. 
Oh, wow. Yes. Oh, yes. Well, I will tell you, in North Carolina, some of our best customers are the farmers, mm-hmm. the hairdressers. I mean, they, they work for cash. The and they farmers. With the cash. Farmers do very well. They're, they're paying cash for their, their combine machines. Those are like yeah. $300,000. Right. These, these guys, they're just smart with it. They, they don't dress like very that. Smart. They're as rich, but they, they're doing fine. But they don't trust banks. They don't. <laughs> they're keeping everything it's cash. Cash has actually been a problem in my practice because I've more and more, I feel like in the past couple of years, getting people coming in with wads of cash. Uh-huh. And that creates a, a, a problem for us for so many reasons. One, trust. Now I have to trust my team, which I do trust, but right. it's still to count properly. Yeah. People are people. And right. we're talking about five, six, ten thousand dollars mm-hmm. in cash. I can't even count that without making a mistake. Mm-hmm. And then you have to count it three times and you have to have somebody watch over. You got to be like the casino where they got that little thing that's. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> again, it's one of the things we talk about in our class having systems and setting mm-hmm. up systems and making sure your team members are trained appropriately. And we're so busy as dentists, mm-hmm. we don't have time to do things like mm-hmm. that. But when you have a system and you have um, manuals and you have guidelines, it's a lot easier for the team members to, to follow and be successful. Mm-hmm. And as a business owner, you have to be careful about embezzlement. Right. It is so easy to embezzle a dentist because we're so busy. Mm -hmm. We're wearing so many hats. Very prevalent in dentistry. We are CEOs, CFOs, salesperson, um, you know, sometimes maintenance person. Uh I know I, I was for a long time an IT person. Okay. I mean, my initials are PC, and I think everybody <laughs> thought every time there was a problem with a computer, it's like, hey, Dr. Phil, can you please come and check my computer? Yeah. So you're pulled in five different Absolutely. directions. Do you know how easy it is to slip a little 50 in your pocket if it's just yeah. hanging there? Here and there. And, and, and I follow a guy on, on Facebook who has his business is looking into all that kind of stuff. And the stories, you know, I, I'm just floored every time I read this way that they embezzled, the way that they skimmed. All so of, creative. They're so very, smart. very creative. And part of me is like, well, I don't tell everybody how to do this. But then it's like, well, if we all kind of no. know what to look for now, um, now the things that I thought were innocuous are red flags. Well, just yesterday, Bobby did a presentation about embezzlement. And the one thing that just dawned on me is like the biggest thing that, that they embezzle is time. Time. Mm-hmm. They cheat on their punches and on their mm-hmm. time in, time out. Mm-hmm. And in retrospect, I'm thinking about it. I, I know it happened in my office often where um, they would conveniently, for, certain people would conveniently forget to punch in and mm-hmm. then say, oh, yeah, I left at 630. Mm-hmm. And then at some point, you kind of start becoming a little doubtful. And right. so I, um, I now am a big proponent of cameras everywhere in the office. Mm-hmm. Do you know what we did? We played the tape. And yeah. we went and saw when she actually walked out the door. Shocking. It was 5.15, not 6.30. That's oh, wow. an hour and 15 minutes. Yeah. This is not a rounding error. And, right. and even less devious things sometimes where they, pl- they punch in and then they change and then they have mm-hmm. breakfast. Yeah. And then they decide to chat and then they start working. Mm-hmm. Well, all that time is, is personal time on my time pet chat. Mm-hmm. So we have to be careful that we have systems set up so that they know breakfast is outside the office. When you come in, you're ready to work. You punch in, you start work. Mm-hmm. And it's okay to have a camaraderie and, and you, know, right. you know, have have a little bit of uh, a fun together. But mm-hmm. there, there's also times where I've, I'll watch my, my, uh, uh, my feed and it's like there's somebody that's been talking to each other for like 15 minutes in sterilization because they don't have a patient. It's mm-hmm. like at some point. Right. You have to address it. Yeah. You have to, you, you don't want to be micromanaging, but at some point it's like, hey, if it's okay with you, you can chat, but can you also clean a room at the same right. time? Right, right. 
Yeah, about 20 years ago, I remember I had a, a really strong, cohesive team. They all got along. I almost feel like you can't be too good of friends at the office because there was no incentive to... The, my hygienist was talking with my assistant and the front desk. They were all just kind of together. I'm like, hey, there's nobody in the chairs. They're, get on the phone, do, do something. Right. And it would be one thing, it was like three minutes. But, you know, 45 minutes later, you realize, shit, they've, they've done nothing. And that cost me. Yeah. So... Do you know what part, what, what the problem with that is? It's the, the concept of what's in it for me. Right. If you're, if you're um, a, a, a team member that's getting paid regardless if you see one patient or 10 patients, mm-hmm. what are you going to strive for? Yeah. Well, that's why incentivizing is so great. And mm-hmm. it, incentivizing is not that hard. Uh, you just need to have a system set up. And Phil's mm-hmm. the best at teaching that. He's actually going to be teaching I mean, incentives at the American Academy of Cosmetic Dentistry. Oh, fantastic. In Grapevine in 2023, in April. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. I'm, I'm still on the shock that, I, <laughs> <laughs> that somebody wants to listen to me speak about <laughs> stuff like that. But it dawned on me. I mean, it, it, there was a time where we, we've always had an incentive program. Okay. It was just traditional. Uh-huh. The one that everybody knows. Sure. And I sat down one time. I mean, it, 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 I, I just brainstormed for like two weeks and thought about it and thought about it and thought. And then I came up with something that was completely different, that mm-hmm. was completely out of the box. And that was basically something that hasn't been done. But the one thing I try to, to get inspired from is corporations and large corporations. We always complain about, oh, the CEO makes X amount of millions, but yet he also has an incentive plan if the company's successful. And I'm thinking mm-hmm. to myself, well, if corporations are doing it to their CEO, but they're also doing it uh, to their lower level mm-hmm. uh, middle management and things like that, there's a reason. Because yeah. they want to align their goals with their mm-hmm. team members' goals. And if they're not aligned, you're not going to have that, that extra be above temporary. and beyond. And yeah. it also avoids that awkward every year. I've been here for a year. Can I get a pay raise? Mm-hmm. You know, now they're working for their pay raises. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a whole different ballgame. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, we better wrap this up. Um, Bobby, if people wanted to get a hold of you, how would they find you? Yeah, so we're, we're teaching through Stanley Institute. So they can go online, www.stanleyinstitute.com, and look for the lucrative dentist, and they'll be able to find us there. Okay. And Phil, how would they find you? Send a, an envelope and buy the mail to Canada, and maybe I'll receive it. Uh, if anybody wants to, to chat with me, if you can reach me by email at drphil at just-smiles.com. Yeah, awesome. and, and feel free to, same for me, Dr. Bobby, with an I, Bobby with an I, okay. at stanleyinstitute.com. All right. Well, for this is Lance Timmerman for the Lucrative Dentist Podcast. We'll see you next time.